Hello, everybody. Welcome to Five Hole Fantasy Hockey Radio. We are into episode number 32. I'm your host, TJ Branson, and joined with me this week and every week is Zachary Vogel. Hey, hey, hey. How What's is up? that for a not fucked up intro, bud? That was pretty good. That I was mean, pretty good. That, that was, was the first take. Not that, that anybody was one, has that confirmation. That was one of your better ones. Yeah, man. I told you. I was feeling it. All right. So today we're going to be talking some left wing and right wing rankings. Um, actually, tomorrow. So we're going to have a nice surprise for you guys. We're going to have two episodes in one week. We're going to be talking centers and demon, I believe. Yep. Yep. So I know every time the word ranking comes up in any conversation, uh, people get super excited at first and then they get super angry as soon as their person, whoever they had as number one, uh, doesn't come up as number one. So when this ranking is over, uh, just feel free to let all your middle finger emojis come our way. We are at FHF Hockey. We'd love to tell you you're wrong. So hit us up and uh, let's jump right into it. You want to start with left wings? Let's do it. All right. So your- are we are we going ten to one for a little bit of uh for a little bit of suspense? Even though there's not a ton of suspense in what I would say is like the top three and pretty much any position. But yeah, as soon as it gets down there, everybody knows who's going to be number one. Even though you and I differ on number one, of course we do. So I think we should take the M Night Shyamalan approach. Go ten to one. A little bit of suspense. A little bit of unnecessary music, and definitely see- based in Philadelphia. I see hockey players. All right, so number 10, uh, who do you got ranking number 10? We're going to start with the left wings. All right, number 10, I have Mike Hoffman. He's going to a new place. I think he's going to get dropped down in a great situation. He's leaving a at least what was for him and Eric Carlson a toxic situation. I'm sure everybody that listens to this knows exactly what happened, so we won't go through it. Yep. But it puts Mike Hoffman down in Florida. So he's going to a team that really plays his style of offense, too. He's going to be playing with a speedster like Trocek, a great right winger like Bugstad, who I love to pick up, did last year a bunch of times. So did you. Yeah, he uh, had a, uh, being a hold for you through the playoffs, I think. Yeah, I mean, he was a solid player. Uh, and it just seems like Florida is always one of those teams that is really pushing at the end of the year, and that can always help you. Florida's going to do great things this year. Uh, you finally agree with me that they're going to make the playoffs. People that have Mike Hoffman are going to benefit from that kind of thing. He's really what I would consider a healthy player. Last year, he played all 82 games. In the past four seasons, he, he hasn't played less than 74. You know you're going to get a player that is available at the very least. I mean, it's not like he really tore it up last year as far as points go, but he did well. He had 56 points last year, 22 goals, 34 assists, but I'm expecting him to, number one, get a lot more assists and really have a chance to take a lot of shots and get more goals this year. He did have a career low, I'm going to call it a career low. Shooting percentage? Yeah, he had a 4.9 back in 13-14. He only played 25 games. Yeah. Uh, at 13 minutes a game so i'm not really going to count that one still shooting just like he's shot more than he ever shot before and we've always known mike hoffman to be the shoot first kind of guy a power play specialist he got 21 points on the power play this year on a shit fucking power play so i still got high hopes for this guy the minus 20 is going to go away Uh, he's not playing in ottawa anymore Um, he's going to be paired with trocek who i think just off the top of my head had over 250 shots nick bugstad who's a 
three shot per game guy too. So this this second line is going to be full of fucking shots. It's going to be exciting to watch. Um, whether it's Bugstad or whether it's Huberdeau, um, I think they're really happy with that Huberdeau, Barkov, and Dadenov line. So they might stick with that. It, it does it does say good things for Mike Hoffman. He's probably going to be on that number one power play, just as we know how good he is on the power play. So. I mean, and I think that's a great spot for him to be. Then you're you're still with Trocheck, a guy that you're playing with every day, and then you're also playing with with Huberdeau and uh, and Barkov. Yeah, um, all all six of those players are like really good players. So it doesn't matter how you mix and match it; he's going to be in a good spot. Although I will say, like last year, we were talking about picking up Bugstad. Um, it will drop Bugstad down to the second line of the power play. Um, so that kind of diminishes his role a little bit as far as uh, picking him up on a daily basis. But I mean, he's still going to hold value too. Moral of the story is I think Mike Hoffman's in a great situation and I have him as my number 10 left winger. I think that's a good spot. He's on my honorable mention. Uh, he just missed my top 10, but he's well within the top 15. Um, my number 10, I have Evander Kane. Vander Kane really meshed well with San Jose's top line last year. He posted 14 points in 17 games, nine goals, five assists. He played, uh, he played 78 games last year. He had a total of 29 goals, 25 assists with over 300 shots for the first time in his career. He also posted over 150 hits this year and 82 penalty minutes. He's primed to play on the top line again. The chemistry was really good. Um, the 17 game sample size was a bit small, but if we pace that to a 75 game season, which seems kind of like a fair guess because we all know Evander Kane doesn't usually play a full season. 78 games played was the most he's ever played in his career. Uh, that's a 62-point pace with 40 goals, 22 assists. Uh, the Pims would have paced out to over 100. Shots would have been over 350. He's playing really hard in San Jose. I think his numbers are going to go way up next year. They're going to be pretty good if he can stay healthy. That's the big part of this. Is um, uh, Are they going to switch Pavelski to wing? Number one, if Thornton comes back and he's the number one center. And how's that line going to mesh a little bit? But Evander Kane, Joe Pavelski, and Jonas Donskoy last year, they combined for like a ton of points. And and Kane saw a lot of that. So I have Evander Kane pretty high, just with a little bit of risk because he doesn't stay healthy. One thing, I mean, I... I like Evander Kane, I think he ended up he ended up in a good spot for him just because it seemed like his tenure in Buffalo was obviously just over. Yeah. He went to a team that really kind of wanted him and it seemed like he wanted to go out west. It just wasn't working well for him. Unfortunately for myself, I don't know about you, but it seems like every time I pick up a fucking San Jose Shark, it never seems to work out for me. Every single time. So let's hope that uh, Evander Kane will do better this year. And I'd, I'd love to see him play all the games because, I mean, he's going to get up over 300 shots. He's playing for San Jose. He seems to really like the area. I don't know. I, I think it works well with him. I think he's going to want to play for a team that wants to win. And maybe we can see another 78-game season out of him. But if, if that's the case, man, you're looking at 62 points, 40 goals, 22 assists, shots over 350 right up there with Hovechkin. Penalty minutes over 100. He's going to be a really valuable player if he can play all season. Okay. All right. Who do you have at number nine? At number nine, I have one of the Vegas Golden Knights. That is Jonathan Marcheseau. This guy came out, surprised a lot of people. I think that he was going to break out either way. Um, If he would have been on Florida this past year, I think he would have had a great season as well. Do I think he would have had as good of a season? 
probably not just because he was given so much more opportunity in Vegas. And now he's a star there. With playing alongside William Carlson, he's going to have another fantastic season. Uh, He played 77 games last year, had a great 75-point season. Do I think that he's going to do that this upcoming year? I hope so, but a lot of it's still going to depend on William Carlson, just like it did this year. If they still continue to mesh well together, they very well both could have 70-point seasons. I do. I think that they could both be 70-point players. His shooting percentage was not particularly high. You know what I mean? His shooting percentage was only a 10.1. He shot 268 times. So it's not out of the realm of possibility that he could continue something like a 70-point 70 season next year. And if that happens, then... I think he's easily uh, the ninth best left winger. He assisted on 20 of Carlson's goals. So I'm not going to say that Carlson's not going to score any goals assisted by Jonathan Marchessault last year, but we already know. We've talked at nauseum about how Carlson's shooting percentage is going to go down and he'll probably be more like a 25, 30 goal scorer rather than 40 plus. But if you if you cut that in half, and let's just say it cuts Marchessault's in half, you know, the assists too. just being fair all across the board. That's still, that's 10 less goals, 10 less points, uh, 38 assists, 65 points. But again, let's just look at the shots that go in the last two seasons where he played over 75 games. It went from 193 to 268 and the time on ice went up. Everything went up. Marchessault is getting better as a player on his own. I don't know. I think, I think we could probably see a 70, 75 point player again, whether or not. Another, another small thing that I like about him too um, he's going to chip in in other areas. Uh, he's going to chip in on PIMS. Last year, he had 40 PIMS. Uh, the year before that, when he was uh, playing in Florida, he had 38. So, I mean, I mean he's always kind of getting in there. He hits a good amount, too. Yeah, he gives a good amount of hits. Now, he did get the uh, the shit hit out of him in the playoffs last year. Do you remember that hit? He, like, passed the puck, and then, like, a solid, like, three seconds later, Tom Wilson came up and leveled the shit out of him. Tom and Tom Wilson. Wilson's yeah. like, what are you talking about? I'm super handsome. I shouldn't be suspended. And no, he didn't get suspended. I don't know. Because don't know he's how. super handsome. I don't know how, but like. Because he's good looking. And don't get me wrong. I like Tom Wilson, but like it was dirty as shit. <laughs> like those first two games, Jonathan Marchessault was skating all over him. Just skating by everybody. And then Tom, Tom Wilson, Wilson was like, Stop that. I'm going to take care of this shit. <laughs> We I I always go off on a little tangent sometimes, <clears throat> but still. So laid out ninety nine hits last year. Uh, he took over five hundred faceoffs, but he wasn't good at it. But he yeah, still he, took, he's under he's under fifty percent for faceoffs. But I mean, that, it's still it's a left wing. You're getting faceoffs out of that's still exactly that's something. Power play points. Let's count that up. He got six goals. He didn't, he didn't get assists. ten. Yeah, 16. he had 16 points on the power play. Better than zero. Uh, I'd, I like like, I'd like to see a little more power play action from March or so. But I, I think that he'll step up next year. I don't, I don't see why he couldn't. I mean, 16 really isn't that many, so I'm sure he can beat that number. All right, so my number nine is Ricard Raquel. Woo! Ricard Rackle. Woo! I like Ricard Raquel. And uh, all right, so in Yahoo, he's tri eligible. He's got center, left wing, and right wing. And in ESPN, he has center and left wing. So that that really puts him into this discussion. He's got more uh, versatility than than most other players, especially of his caliber. Player this year, he got a real nice sixty nine points. Uh, he has eighteen on the power play. He took two hundred thirty shots. He's not much for like pims, but he does hit. He posted over a hundred hits two out of the last three years. He had thirty four goals, thirty five assists this past season. 
every single year he's getting better progressing on his point totals his last four full seasons in the nhl he posted 31 points 43 51 and now 69 so he's really coming into his own he's improving every year the ducks they're really going to start relying on different players than Getzlav and kessler who might not even play next year these guys um Ricard Raquel, Sam Steele, eventually, um, Jakob Silverberg. There's going to be a new look to the Ducks, and Ricard Raquel, I think, is going to be the forefront of that. He's led the Ducks in goals these past two years, so he's definitely the elite goal scorer that they're looking at. Because of his tri-eligibility, his hits, I really like this guy at number nine for all the same reasons you were saying about uh, for March or so. He, he shoots, he gets those hits, he scores a lot of goals. There's nothing not to like. And it's not like his shooting percentage is like super crazy either. I mean, it's a 14.8, but his career average is a 13.6. Yeah, I think he's just a career high shooter. Jesus, he only had 14 pins. Yeah, he got nominated for the Lady Bing two year, two out of the last three years. Because so. he's a super nice guy. Look at him too, man. He's fucking handsome shit. He looks he's like a good, uh, He's a good looking dude. He's got some nice hair. He got a nice, nice cloth on there. Oh, yeah. I know you're a lot higher on him than I am. You're a lot higher on the Ducks than I am. Which is odd that he's on your list and he's not on mine. I think uh, I think I'm going to try and gun for him this year. I'm going to like. So am I. I'm trying to gun for him every year. I might try and get him. I want to fill my team with just handsome dudes. Sorry, Rad. <laughs> Sorry, Rad Kogudis. You're not making the. You're not Evgeny making the Neither are you, Patrick Marlowe. Oh yeah, he's got a weird face. He's his head is shaped like a Lego block. Anyway, who's your number All eight? All right. <laughs> I'm going back to the Sunshine State. Big on those is, Florida uh, Panthers. I like the Florida Panthers. They're top two lines as far as like On paper, lines. they're stacked. You know what I mean? At like yeah. their top two lines. Number one, they're very top heavy because yeah. their bottom six is hell. We we looked at their their fourth line and I even said, I don't fucking know any of these guys. Jared McCann. Derek McKenzie and Maxim Mamin. Cool. We're saying it wrong. We're saying it so wrong. Hold on. I, They're on hockey reference. They have a pronunciation thing. I'm leaving this in the episode. That's fine. <laughs> I've never heard of the guy. The fact that like I was even kind of able to say his name is Maxim Mamin. All right. It's not Mamin. I think it's a better chance that it's Mamin. Yeah, Mamin. There you go. Are you Max- serious? Maxime Mamin. So I said it correctly is what you're trying to get at. Uh, it sounds like an EDM band or a fucking DJ. Maxime Mamin. 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 It, it fucking rhymes, man. Dude, I'm super impressed with myself that I said his name correctly the first time, too. Very good. All right. Derek that's, McKenzie was a lot easier to say. That's the one and only time you're going to hear Maxime Mamin's name all year. He's not going to be called on any goals. He's not going to be called for anything. He's That's not true. I think he's going to be my new guy uh, because be a sleeper. Is he handsome? Are you going to draft him? I don't know. We should probably look at him. Uh, the answer is no. I just saw. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sorry. The answer is no. Yeah, he looks like. Uh, look him up. Okay, he's give a, me a second. He's a goofy gotta, dude. We're gonna we're gonna find this guy. He's Russian. He's yeah, he's looking goofy, dude. I've never seen a Russian with a fro. What maybe, is- I don't know. It's maybe it's not a fro because he's got black hair, and the background on Hockey Reference is also black. <clears throat> so it's hard to tell. But it, <laughs> I I think right now, and I think for the rest of my life, I'm going to pretend he has a he has an afro, and he just looks super strange. When I put in Maxim, he doesn't even pop up. So okay, there you are. 
He's not that bad looking. Yeah, I think it was just the picture on uh on hockey reference. He looks really surprised. Yeah, that's a thing that his face does. <laughs> he looks really surprised in all these pictures. But are you look on hockey reference, so it's he's got like fucking jet black hair and the background is also jet black. So what I'm seeing is he kind of has like this afro. Well, I see which picture you're talking about. Yeah, it's not flattering. Yeah, I mean, he's not a bad looking dude. All right, fine. Draft him then. I'm not drafting him. But he's so good. Well, he does play on the Florida Panthers. Four points in 26 games last year. 10.7 shooting percentage. Not drafting. Okay. Yeah, that, that, <laughs> that was, was a hell of a tangent. Okay. Now, a little bit of Huberdo action. Huberdote. 82 games last year. The year before that, he was, well, regrettably, he was hurt a lot. But last year, he played all 82. In his career, he's in general a very... Are you finished with that? No. Okay. I thought you were showing me that you were finished for a second. Fucking call an ambulance. Holy shit. No, I don't Uh, have a coaster. I'm worried about my desk. In general, though, he's a pretty healthy guy. Last year, just like we've talked about before, he had 69 points. 27 goals, 42 assists. I'm down for 20-plus goals. 32 pims, he's helping chip in. I'm glad that you're down for that. Um, But also, and maybe most importantly about this whole thing, about what we talked about before, he kills it on the power play. He had 19 power play points last year. I'm fine with that. Seven seven of them were goals. This year, he's going to be still with Barkov. Dadnov is really coming out of his shell. I thought he did great last year. And I think they're really going to keep that top line combination all together. I can only build chemistry. Yeah. We look at shooting percentage like you and I always do. His career shooting percentage is an 11.1. Last year, he was a 13.2. That's not out of the realm of like, you know what I mean? It's not getting so crazy. It's not, oh, his average is an 11.1. And last year, he shot at a 23% fucking rate. You know what I mean? Oh, she. Yeah, like, we know that that kind of stuff is not going to last. Yeah. But a 13.2 is not so overwhelmingly just out of the way stupidly high. Now, I do want him to shoot more. In 82 games, he only shot 204 times. I don't I don't mind 204 shots. That's It's good, but, uh, like, those three shots a game, guys, those are the ones that you're, like, super excited about. But, I mean, at the very least, that is saying that he's taking smart shots and he's making the shots count. He's not exactly that down-low kind of guy. That's more Barkov than anything. He's more of your average winger who's going to stay on the outside, stay at the point, and fire those shots in. Barkov is going to be that guy that really kind of gets those dirty goals, not as much so Huberdeau. What do you think? Uh, Jonathan Huberdeau, whether he plays on the top line or if he plays on the second line, they tried him out at both spots last year. I am, I'm of the mindset, just like you, that he he's going to be on that top line. The top line is going to stick together for as long as they can, build chemistry, just really become a force, and give Bukestad that second line responsibility with Hoffman and Trocek. And they're going to have a top six that's just really good. As far as making the playoffs go, I'm not sure because the Atlantic is super good and or not super good, but they have those the top three teams that you know are going to make it Boston, Toronto, and uh, Tampa. And then the Metro is always liable to give you five teams that go into it. So I'd be down for another bet this year. If you think, uh, if you think Florida is going to make it. Okay. I'm, I'm fine with that. All right. We can make that bet again. I mean, I, mean, I am just, I'm, 
fucking super high on Florida. So 69 points, minus two, not too worried about it. Uh, Pims are, they're there. The shots are great. Took like 44 faceoffs last year. I'm not even going to talk about that. Yeah, he's he's a real offensive guy. So this is this is somebody you're drafting just for offense, and he's good for it, especially if he can stay healthy like this. Like, and I mean, he's going to get you a couple pims. Nothing like he's not getting a hundred pims, but or a penalty minute a game. He's still going to chip in and help you out on something like that. Okay, number eight, who you got? Number eight for me is Philip Forsberg. Last year he put up 64 points in 67 games, coming very close to a point per game. Uh, he was also very effective on the power play, scoring half his goals on the man advantage. Forsberg played on the top line and the top power play for the seventh best goals per games played team in the NHL. Not exactly something you pass up. Easily one of the top 10 left wings to have in fantasy. He uh, doubles as a center in ESPN for whatever reason. So it's just a little bit better there. All right. So, I mean, he shoots at like two shots a game. He shot at 14.5%. He's been a high shooting percentage guy his whole career. He laid out 86 hits. So that's like a hit a game, a little bit more. So like a hit and a quarter plus 27, which is really good to see. And uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of all that really excites me about him. You know, the Predators are a really highly potent offensive team and he's playing on the top line, top power play. You've always been a fan of Philip Forsberg. I will say that. Um, Unfortunately, he was a little bit hurt last year, but I mean, what the previous three seasons before that he played 82, 82 and wait, wait for it. Wait for it. 82 games, 82 games. And he's always hovering around that 60, like, all right. So 58 being the low and 64 being the high, that's not that high of a swing. This is the kind of guy you're looking at. And any year he could just break out, but it seems like he's just going to be a 60 to 65 point guy every single year this year. He put up 64 points in 67 games. So, And I mean, that's the whole thing about the Predators, though, too, is they're not a super flashy team, except for Forsberg is probably probably has the best hands on that team. If, yeah, you, ever, if you ever saw some of his goals, they're nasty. Um, probably the flashiest player on their team is Ardvidsson, but Philip Forsberg is just a better talent. Ardvidsson is just a super speedy guy. The Ardvark. Yeah. You put Forsberg at an 82 game season, he's scoring close to 80 points. That's a 78 point season. It's a shame he didn't play all season because people that drafted him or people that are high on him, like myself, would have loved to have been able to say, Hey, I told you so. 78 points. Bam. I'm thinking that's what's going to happen again. He's really coming into his own. He's only 23 years old. He'll actually, his birthday is next week. It's it's in like two weeks. So he's going to be 24 in a couple of weeks. So. Hey, He's happy birthday, Philip. Happy yeah, man. birthday, dude. Piece of shit. Fuck you. You like Philip? Yeah, I like Philip Forsberg. I'd like to hang out with him. Yeah, um, all right, so that's all I got on Philip Forsberg. Super handsome guy. Love to hang out with him. Uh, he's going to put up 70 points next year. No problem. Uh, who do you got at number seven? Um, a much less handsome guy, and that is Taylor Hall. Taylor Hall had a great fucking season last year. I've always been big on Taylor Hall. I, I think he was a... A great pickup by New Jersey from Edmonton. He's always been rather healthy. I mean, during his point streak, he did get a little banged up. And also at the end of the season, he was taken out of the lineup just for the fact that they already knew that they were going to make the playoffs and they wanted to make sure that he'd be healthy in the playoffs. Shit, the guy had 93 freaking points last year. 39 of them were goals, 54 assists. And that's on a team of... Oh, let's just be honest, uh, 
it's not like they have a bunch of super well-known guys on that team. I mean, Kyle Palmieri, Nico Heischer, um, who's the number one pick last year, but it's not like they're really banged down the door with a whole bunch of household names over in New Jersey. So the fact that he was able to pull 93 points out of his ass last year is, well, pretty pretty decent. He's always going to chip in on PIMS, 34 PIMS last year, but his lowest in any season to date is 27. So, like, he's going to help you a little bit there. His power play is super fucking solid. 37 points in the power play, 13 of them were goals. Christ. You can't, you can't not like that. Like, yeah. I don't know. You know what I mean? His shooting percentage was a little high last year. He was at a 14, and his average is a 10.9 for his entire career. But it's not like he was really shooting a lot more than he had before. The year prior, he did only shoot 238 times. This past year, he shot a solid 40 more shots. But in general, it's not like he's only usually shooting 200 times, and then all of a sudden he's shooting a lot more. He's going to get you those shots. We'll see next year what exactly New Jersey will be. I think Nico Heischer is a fantastic passer. I love the way that kid passes. He's only going to grow. If they keep him with Taylor Hall, I don't see see what the problem's going to be. No, no problem at all. Yeah, Taylor Hall, I have him ranked all the way up at number three. So I'll talk about him a little more when I get to number three, but Shit, he had a he had a really good season. You should I just talk about him now? Go ahead. I mean, honestly, I I mean, I think I covered him pretty well. Uh, you can definitely add a little more. You have him ranked a little higher than I do, but I mean, I I, I like my list. All right, so I have Taylor Hall all the way up at number three. Now this guy, I'm a little iffy on at number three, but he really did have like a, he had a godlike year. Uh, there's I know there's people ranked lower on my list at least that had more points, but the extras outweigh that. He he did have those 37 power play points we were talking about, 93 points in 76 games, 39 goals, 54 assists, 278 shots at 14%, which we've already said isn't too scary because his average is at like 11%. Uh, 72 hits, 44 blocks, plus 14. Nothing great about his penalty minutes. He had seven game-winning goals and a shorthanded goal. Like Hall made fools out of everybody last year. Uh, he, his average draft position was 73, uh, right in front of Giroux. Funny enough, uh, Giroux was ranked 74 at average draft position. Uh, he was a sixth round pick in 12 team leagues and a ninth rounder in eight team leagues. So therefore he was a fucking steal. Yeah, he was a steal last year. Like he went, he came off a 53 point season and wound up almost doubling it. So he made everybody look like an idiot. Uh, he won the hard trophy, you kind of lose that questionable status as a fantasy asset. He's shown his chemistry with Heischer, like we were talking about. He was either playing with Jesper Bratt or um, Kyle Palmieri, whoever's going to occupy that right-wing spot, both of which had great chemistry with the other two. Hull may be a reach at number three on my list, but I get a good feeling about the guy going into next year. He seems to have a... (laughs) All right, so last year, it was his first year as a devil, and he was like, oh, I'm getting over that breakup. Um, But he seems to have some real fire under his ass for the first time as a devil. And his motivation is like unmatched. He he's come out and said like we're gonna get a Stanley Cup. That's the only thing I'm playing for. I'm not playing for points. I'm playing for a cup. So he's got he's got the, he's got the right idea. I mean, he's a hard nosed kid. So I mean, I I'm fine with him at seven. I think three is a little bit of a reach. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, just just because he had a great year last year, it was by far his best year ever. So I think three is a reach. But hey. Prove me wrong, Taylor Hall. Yeah, I hope so. Do it. Do it. Do it now. 
Okay, who do you have at number seven? I have Artemi Panarin. Uh, ah, my number five. Point per game player, Artemi Panarin. In the last year of his contract this year, so we all, like you and I, Zach, we know how much we like playing those guys that are in the last year of their contract. Tyler Sagan's another one um, where he's playing for a new contract. Every goal, every assist, every shot is bringing him one step closer to those big numbers. And I'm not saying it's all he's playing for. It's just a little extra motivation. And it always seems like the players of his caliber tend to play twice as hard and produce really well the year before they sign that big deal. And I almost get the feeling like he's going to sign somewhere else and not stay in Columbus. Yeah, that's been the buzz. But we'll see. I just, I just, I do. I have a feeling. And yes, that has been the buzz. So last year we were saying, oh, I don't know how he's going to do without Patrick Kane, blah, 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 blah. We should have been talking about Patrick Kane that way. Patrick Kane yeah. went down to, what, 76 points this year. He wasn't even a point-per-game player. And Patrick Kane's the guy that you're thinking, oh, this is fucking Patrick Kane, 110-point scorer, you know? And, oh, no Patrick Kane or Tammy Panarin is not going to be able to do it. But no Patrick Kane or Tammy Panarin is a fucking stud on his own. All the doubts can be laid to rest because point-per-game Artemi Panarin has arrived. And that's what I'm going to call him from now on is point-per-game Artemi Panarin. Whether or not he wants to be in Columbus, it's relevant. He's playing for the new contract. He's going to be fucking good. Hi, Mikey. Say hi to Zach. Hi, Zach. He already, he already did. <laughs> oh, did he? I, I don't know if uh, you can't hear him, can you? Oh, okay. And, I mean, it turns out that uh, Artemi Panarin and Cam Atkinson just play click. really well together. They click, um, man. Pierre-Luc Dubois, man. Like, even Pierre-Luc Dubois. He, Pierre-Luc Dubois. He, he's now this fucking sleeper candidate, all these types of things. And it's all because... All right, so maybe I'm treating Pierre-Luc Dubois the same way we treated Artemi Panarin. Maybe he's a good player on his own. Who knows? But he, he got thrust into that first-line center role. He kind of got shoehorned in there. But he's playing with Panarin and Cam Atkinson on either wing. And that's not a bad fucking spot, man. He was the number three pick. Everybody forgets that, but he's still this fucking stud. So Pierre-Luc Dubois, my sleeper going into next year. We're talking about that in another episode. But fucking point per game, Artemi Panarin, he's a hell of a guy. What about Sonny Milano from the same team? Ugh. I fucking like Sonny Milano, dude. Maybe he'll actually get to play more next year. K. Just you don't K. like Sonny? You don't like Sonny Milano? K. Period. That's it. I'm texting you just the word K. He's he's a good looking dude too. <laughs> is he really? I don't think he is. He's all right. He, he's like uh, he looks like a straight surfer dude. Oh, does he? Kind of like Ricard Raquel. Uh, well, Ricard Raquel is like. I don't know. He looks super European. Yeah, he does. <laughs> he really can, does. Can you hear it? Uh, yeah. Can you hear it? Uh, I don't know. I don't want to like exclude you from the conversation. I You're welcome to be in the podcast and all that. Do you want some whiskey? <clears throat> so, I mean. <laughs> so, everybody, uh, in five-hole fantasy hockey land, we are now three strong. It is me, your host, TJ Branson, joined by my co-host, Zach Vogel. And our co-co-host. Co-co-host. Mikey Matt. Hey. Hey. I'm here for the whiskey. He's here for the whiskey and the uh and the cat. Oh, you're not here you're not here for the for the unrivaled knowledge. <laughs> it's definitely the whiskey, man. So just a little bit to add on to Artemi Panarin. I mean, you have him at number seven. I have him at number five, which isn't really too far off. I'm super high on him. I think he's gonna have another good year. Super healthy dude. He's never played less than 80 games. Now, I know he's only played in three seasons, but he's going to be out there working his ass off. He just is. I put him at 75-point base. 75-point floor. Yeah. 
hundred percent. I, yeah, I think I think that's at the very least. He, he's going to get 75 points this year. He could easily get around 90. It's not total totally out of the uh, out of the realm of possibilities. This point per game, Artemi Panarin, man. Now, I mean, it's not like he's going to be out there getting into fights. Not like he's out there going to be doing a bunch of hits and stuff like that. He's certainly not going to win you a lot of faceoffs. But his shooting percentage is just a nice, solid number. I mean, he's at 14.1 for his entire career. Like I said a minute ago, I mean, it's only three years, but still. And he actually shot low this year. He just had his lowest percentage of his career at 11.8 Yeah, with the most shots. I can handle that. Yeah. You know what I mean? If 11.8 is your your floor, uh, I'm okay with that. Yeah, Um, he's going to regress to the mean he's going to get more goals. Like this is this might be the only case of regression that means more. I have him at a solid number 5. He's going to do great. He, uh, he's in another another contract year. So I mean, we're going to we're going to talk about that next year of okay, well, if he had a good year this year, is he going to keep it up? Most people don't. I can't keep it up. Um, well, if I if Okay, cool. I wanted to make sure Mikey was in on this. If I was if I was there drinking whiskey with you, it would be hard. Wait, it would be hard, or you couldn't keep it up. I'm very confused it now. Hard. It would be hard to keep it up. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's got a finite number of minutes on it. All right. So, did you? Uh, did you rock your world for the next six to seven and a half minutes? You'd be the number one center of the New York Islands. <laughs> for six to seven minutes. <laughs> All right. Did we do your number seven, or uh, are we skipping right ahead to number six? We did my number seven. My number seven was uh, was Taylor Hall. Okay. Yeah, I can't remember if uh, that was your number eight or not. We're on to number six. Number six. Who do you got? I have Johnny Hockey. No, the fuck you don't. We agree right now. Are you serious? Yeah, let's talk about some stuff together. Wow. Uh, I almost... Should I, I might change some stuff around because this just doesn't feel right. So we, ju- we were just talking about getting hard and now, we're, now we agree with each other. Uh, that... Folks, I mean, I don't know if uh, I'm sure most of you probably, if you're listening to us now, yeah, does not six, does know. not compute. So <laughs> at least you're fully aware that TJ and I never fucking agree on anything. Uh, but it turns out that we now agree on Johnny Goudreau. Yeah, I mean, so we never agree, but least of all, we never agree on the Calgary Flames, and usually also, especially about Johnny Goudreau. Yeah, should we do shots of beer slash whiskey? Mikey's in. Hey. Cheers. Clanky. All right. Take it away. All right. So Johnny Hockey had the most points of his career last year with 84. 24 goals, 60 assists. This was on a Calgary team. It was uh, not exactly filled with superstars uh, and a pretty crappy team all around last year. Again, not a guy who's going to get you a ton of hits, not going to get you a ton of pims. Career high in pims, though, at 26. That's true. But he's just a steady scorer, steady shooter, steady shooting percentage. He is, the kid's got great hands. Good playmaker. He's not killing it for goals on power play, but he's still chipping in with power play points. He's getting a lot of power play assists. We'll have to see how it is next year with uh, Dougie Hamilton being gone and not being and not uh, not anchoring that first power play unit. I'm wondering how that's going to go. I guess we'll see how Dougie Hamilton does down here in Raleigh. This suit, this city's stupid enough already. Yeah, 30. isn't it funny how we were talking about Dougie Hamilton being 
this fucking dumbass because of that one uh, broadcaster, <laughs> whatever, the radio guy, you know? And he's like, oh, he's such a fucking stupid dude. He's so stupid. And then he gets kicked off the flames for, like, going to museums and shit. Like, he didn't fit in with the rest of the team because everybody else would go to fucking, like, Applebee's and he would go to a museum. Like, that's not what you fucking think about. He is stupid. He's probably stupid. He just goes there to pretend. Dougie Hamilton just, this isn't a bar. What? You guys have the best obbies in the food court. <laughs> 25 mile radius. Okay, so back to Johnny Goudreau. Um, I think if you draft this kid, what, you're probably going to draft him in the first three rounds. Easy. If you're looking for him after the first three rounds, he going to be gone. You take him there, man. I'm thinking like fifth round. You take him. Uh, well, if he's there in the fifth round, then you're fucking lucky. That's right. I don't, think there's, I don't think there's any way that he's there in the fifth round. All right. So we'll see. If I get Johnny Gaudreau in the fifth round, I'm pretty fucking stoked about it. If you get Johnny Gaudreau in the fifth round, I didn't do my job, and I'm just going to quit take our him. league. Take him. I don't think he's not right. a fifth round talent. He's better than a fifth round talent. He is better than a fifth round talent, but there's enough people in the first four rounds to fill out. Like, there's better people than Johnny Gaudreau. I'm going to fucking demolish you this year. Fine. I want you, I want you to know that. Okay. Same goes for you, Mikey. I'm gonna fucking kick your ass, dude. <laughs> <laughs> fucking ready for it, man. All right. Okay. Uh, what, what do you, What do you got on on Mr. Hockey? So the guy I would draft in the fifth round, he had a really nice year, especially in fantasy. He had 84 points, like we already talked about. He took 227 shots, had a really reasonable 10.6 percent, 24 points on the power play, 21 assists, three goals. So. He is that playmaker guy. He's an all-around points-only dream. Uh, New head coach Bill Peters could have James Neal be that Points-only wet dream. A wet dream, yeah. Johnny fucking hockey. James Neal could be the final fixture on that Gaudreau-Monahan line. Michael Furland was that guy last year, but James Neal, in my opinion, is a better version of Michael Furland, at least in the way that a tough first-liner could be. And I'm bringing all that up because I think it improved the line that Gaudreau is on and is going to improve his total. So, I mean, it would be a stretch to say he's going to get 84 points again, but it looks like that trend is going to continue. He's going to be a point-per-game guy next year and should be in the fifth round. I'm just, looking at the, I'm just looking at the guy I have ahead of him, number five, spoiler alert, Claude Giroux. I'm okay, well, that's Claude good Giroux because we already went over my round. number five. My number five was Panarin, so go ahead. Claude Giroux, he's my number four. All right, so Claude Giroux, I'm not – I'm not taking him in the second round. So if I'm taking Claude Giroux in the second round, that opens up the opportunity for me to take Johnny Gaudreau in the third round. But I'm taking Claude Giroux in the third, probably the third, maybe the fourth. Like fourth would be a stretch. That, that's how I'm starting to see it. Uh, you seem to think there's a lot of dumbasses out there who's just going to no. draft fucking, oh yeah, I'm going to take uh, Colton Skevier in the second round. because no, you're not going to take Colton Skevier, but you're going to take like, the top three guys, there's four on both of our lists. There's 10 guys that are better. All right, so three of them are the same. So there's probably like six guys that are better than Johnny Gaudreau. That's and there's, tw- that's and there's 12 people right in the league. There. That's half a round right there. And then you got centers, then you got right wings, then you got defensemen, then you got – because you know there's going to be a fuckhead who's going to take Eric Carlson in the first round. You know there's a fuckhead who's going to take Braden Holpe in the first okay. round. Okay, so, question. What what was Johnny Goudreau's average draft position last year? Let me look it up. 43. So that's the fourth round last year in 12-team leagues. Okay. Fourth round. That's, uh, well, spot on in the fucking middle of what we just both said. 
Yeah, Andre Vasilevsky was a sixth-round draft pick last year. Fucking Zach Varensky went. Hold on. Let me scroll up because Brighton Holpe was ranked number six. So average draft position last year was kind of fucked. Like, I would take Johnny Gaudreau. I would be okay with him in the fourth round, but I would like to get him in the fifth round. Okay, so you're acting like it's just totally out of this fucking world that he goes in the third round. You take and and that, and that you're getting him in this. He's dropping to the fifth round after having a great fucking year. Yeah, so he's gonna he's so he's gonna go down. No, so people are but, going to want him less after a great year. This makes maybe, a lot of sense. I'm glad that I'm in not. Maybe it's not that Johnny Gaudreau is going down. It's that so many other people went up. Nathan McKinnon was dra- drafted at a, like an average of a hundred. He was over a hundred. Let me just scroll way the fuck down. Control F. Find McKinnon. Hundred and fucking sixty-five. Nathan McKinnon was was. Hold on, I, I can't even do that math in my head. So let's do twelve-team league. Hundred sixty-five divided by twelve. Thirteen point seven five. So he was drafted late thirteenth round, and now he's going to be a second-round talent. But that so, makes total sense because that year. makes total sense because the year before, because he was on the fucking Colorado Avalanche, where nobody wanted to touch anybody from fucking Colorado. He was on the Calgary Flames. Calgary Flames were a goddamn shit show this year. Okay, but what were Man, they the year? What, what were they the year prior? You know what I mean? They were a pretty like, fucking decent team the year prior. So okay, a lot of show. times people are drafting people to next year as how their team did previously. So if you were, do you think people were fucking drafting Miko Rantanen in like the fucking seventh, eighth round? No, no, but maybe they should. But what I'm saying, and I'm coming back to this, is people like. Nathan McKinnon, who was drafted at an average of 165 last year, are going to move way the fuck up above Johnny Gaudreau. And that's going to happen so much that Johnny Gaudreau is moving down, not because he had a bad year, but because so many other people had good year. Guys like Connor Hellebuck, guys like Andre Vasilevsky are going to get drafted ahead of Johnny Gaudreau. And there's so many people that are just going to be so inflated that it's going to move Johnny Gaudreau down. So this year there's going to be there's going to be five rounds of like super solid talent just because everybody's get this huge boner from last year. Like McKinnon. Jesus. Mm-hmm. Brian Elliott was drafted ahead of McKinnon last year. Elliot Buck was an 11th round draft pick. Meh. I'm just saying there's so much that's going to happen. I'll make another bet with you right now. We got the Florida one going. Let's just fucking line up the bets of this episode. What, what is, what is this bet? Johnny Gaudreau. At the when these average draft position, you know, summaries come out, he's going to be a fifth round guy. What a fifth I'll, or worse? I'll bet that. I'll bet it. No, fifth round guy. I'm gonna start like a thousand fucking leagues with like me <laughs> and like fake people, and I'm gonna take gonna Johnny Goudreau first, first in every fucking one of them. That's fucked up. Just so I win that bet. I don't care if it's for like a fucking used bar coaster. All right. So who's your number five guy? Artemi Panarin? Is that what we talked about? Yeah, we already talked about him. All right, so I'm going to talk about Claude Giroux. And, uh, okay, well, I'll talk about him a little bit with you because I have him at number four. All right, another one. With Claude Giroux, he's another one where the ranking could be way off. ESPN Fantasy has G ranked as their number four left wing, the same as you do. But before this season, Giroux hasn't hit 75 points in three years. He's six years removed from his previous career high of 93 points. So as most of you know, I'm a Philadelphia Flyers fan. So Zach, we would love to put G a little higher. We both think he's a damn good player, but I just know it could be a flash in the pan here. 
The truth is he and Couturier looked really solid this year. Maybe they have a right wing of Travis Konechny. Maybe they have a right wing of Michael Roffle. Who the fuck knows? But they were one of the most productive lines in the league when they were a unit with Konechny, at least that says. Yeah, I like I like Konechny on the right oh, yeah. wing, like in a big way. If, if those three are together, I think it's going to be a really intimidating line offensively, maybe not size-wise because Drew and Konechny are both kind of little dudes, but uh, – all right, so let, let's take Giroux in a vacuum here. Giroux's three-year average is a 78-point year. And I'm definitely safe with putting that as, like, the floor. Like, 78-point floor, that's fine. And, and that's even a little bit conservative for me. I would I would set him at, like, a point-per-game floor. So, like, 80 to 82 points with, like, give or take one or two games missed. With obvious room for more. No one expected a 100-point year out of Giroux, and I'm not expecting another one. Yeah. So the question of him declining has been put to rest. His change to wing really sparked his game. He should be in the top 10 as far as left wings go. And I'm I'm really excited to see what this year is going to be. Just <clears throat> as a fan, I'm super stoked. As a fantasy guy, I'm going to take him in the fucking fourth round. Fuck you. Go ahead. Talk about Drew. <laughs> so I love I'm the point. man about this fucking Johnny Gajoski. <laughs> I love the point that you made about moving him to left wing. I think it was the best possible thing for him. It gives him the the dual eligibility where he can still be taking the face-offs and stuff like that, which I think is a huge fucking thing in fantasy because you're getting a little bit of everything. Um, His shooting percentage was, well, let's just say a little high. It it, It was the highest of his entire career, but his shots weren't. So, I mean, you kind of wonder where that's got to average out. He took less than 200 shots. I just, I, I love this whole move to left wing, putting Couturier on that first line. I think it was a super smart move for the team as a whole. It it really brought them together. I like seeing Voracek on that, on that top line playing with them, but it seemed like it kind of got stale. It's good to spread it out, too. I mean, yeah, I get it. Exactly. Like so, it got stale, and they kind of had to move things around uh, towards the middle of the year, and it really kind of sparked something. Power play points, he had 36 power play points, and nine of them were goals. He's putting the puck on net when it matters. Yeah. He's making smart shots, which at times, because uh, I watch a lot of Flyers games, so especially in like overtime and stuff like that, I'm just like fucking yelling at the shoot screen it. to fucking shoot the fucking puck. Shoot it. And... <laughs> They're like, oh, well, we're just going to pass the puck some more. We're going to find the perfect shot. Shoot the fucking puck. I know there's only 0.7 seconds left, but it's a perfect time to pass. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I want to see I want to see G shoot some more. I really yeah. do. And we know we we'll can do see, it. We'll see where that shooting percentage ends up this year. It's not going to be a 17.6. I don't believe that by any means. It could come back down to like a 13, 14, maybe even a 15 if we're lucky. Giroux will have another fantastic year. He's not going to have 102 points, but 85, even possibly 90, I think is super attainable. It was like a career year in everything but shots. So strange. Career high in goals, career high in assists, career high in points, career high in plus minus, maybe not PIMS. But uh, career high in shooting percentage, career high in face-off win percentage. But maybe that's attributed to the fact that he didn't take as many as he usually does because he's a winger. But he did put up a 58.6% win percentage, which is uh, at least one percentage point higher than his previous career high. So, but and and that's and that's why like that's why the whole move to left wing was so fucking important because instead of going against the other team's best center. I mean, hey, you're going against the other team's best left winger. 
But now Sean Couturier, who is arguably the best two-way forward in the league, if not the best, is playing defense against the other team's best center, which really boosted up his plus minus. And he doesn't have that all that weight on his back to be that number one center in Philadelphia. You can just shoot and ride the quarterback from the left point. I'm glad you brought that up. So instead of going up like Patrice Bergeron, going up against Patrice Bergeron, he's going up against maybe Brad Marchand or whoever whoever that is. And obviously they're less of a a defensive player. That, That opened up Giroux in a way that I didn't even think about. So that's a good point. Thank you. All right, man. Well, who, who do you have at number four? I think your number five was Panarin, so we already covered that. Number Panarin. four, we're going to start agreeing more, probably, except for I have Taylor Hall at three. Um, I have Jordy Ben at number three. Jamie Ben. No, Jordy Ben. Jordy Ben. Jordy Ben, okay. Jordy, yep, Jordy ben is going to have a fucking fantastic season. I'm expecting, like, He's going to get like 100 points this season. Jordy Ben. Dual eligible defenseman left wing. Yep. Jordy Ben is going to break the fuck out. Cool. No. Okay. So (laughs) I have Jamie Ben at number three. The better looking Uh, brother. uh, Well, less of a bearded brother. What is Mikey doing? I'm stretching. Stretching. Mikey is trying to do one pull up. audio for that oh i hope so too. yeah i heard it so <laughs> good okay jamie ben like we like i've talked about with some other players uh he's a super healthy guy in the past four seasons three of them he's played 82 games last season he only played 77 i'm fine with a player that's gonna miss five games in four years he had 79 points last year i mean i put his floor at around 70 75 he could easily get up above 80, um, even like 85, possibly 90, depending on how the rest of his teammates play, like Tyler Sagan, like Alexander Radulov. I also am not in love with his power play. Um, I wish he would get a little more points on the power play, but he is going to play on that top power play unit and get to see those shots. Sure. He had 22 power play points. Uh, nine of them were goals, at least. Those power play points really help you out in fantasy, as everybody knows. But as far as PIMS go, he's usually in the 60s. Last year, he was at 54 PIMS. I like those stats because, I mean, hell, he's not on the ice for two minutes. And if you're getting them out of your goal scorers, that's pretty incredible. A lot of times, you're getting them out of your defensemen. Those are your main PIM getters. A goal-scoring left wing that's going to get you 54 penalty minutes, that's... 140 hits. Yeah, he's great with the hits. He blocks a decent clip, too. I love his shooting percentage. So his career shooting percentage after he's been in the league for 10 seasons is 13.4. That's his average for 10 fucking seasons. Last year, he was at 14.9. So that tells me he's a level, steady dude. Somebody who I think is a perfect person to have at number three on my list because he's just a steady performer. All right, so I have Jamie Ben at number four. So, I mean, we've just flip-flopped. That's not too crazy. Last year, you had Ben at number two. I had Ben at number one. That's not to say that he fell to number four. It's just, for me, number three, Taylor Hall just spiked his way in there. Brad Marchand continues to be 
a fantasy asset and Alexander Ovechkin just solidified his spot as number one playing a little bit of a spoiler here, but let, we're, we're into the fucking meat and potatoes of this. So you guys know who's number one. Jamie Ben continues to be an all around fantasy stud. He's hovered at like a point per game for so many seasons. Now he had a career high of 89 points just two years ago. So we know he can do it. He was just three points removed from a point per game place. Those are made up with his penalty minutes, his shots, his hits, his blocks. He chips in on everything. He has better cross-category coverage than most other players out there. He even went 52.5% on the face-off dot, and he took over 700 face-offs this year as a winger. That, on top of the fact that he is one of the most consistent fantasy players in the last few years, like you're saying, uh, he missed five games in the last how many years? Four, four years. Five. Four. Four years. Five games in four years he missed. Okay, so even going back six years, he missed – Six games. He missed one game six years ago or five years and, ago. And the reason I have him at number three, uh, where and and you have Taylor Hall higher, is just because Jamie Ben has proven it. He's yeah. proved it that he can do it year in, year out. He does it every year. He is a steady player. Taylor Hall, you said spiked. Yeah, so Jamie Ben is super was, consistent. He was here going level, 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 and then boom, had a fucking great year. That does. I mean, for me, don't get me wrong. I like Taylor Hall. I think he's a great player, but I don't think that puts him ahead of other players just because he had a great year last year. Yeah, I want. Mm-hmm. I want consistency, and Jamie Ben is just the blue chip of consistent playing. I think I might be biting my tongue at the end of the year as far as Taylor Hall goes, but because of the year he had and uh, just how he's fitting in with the Nico Hischer. Uh, New Jersey Devil system. I think it's going to continue just the same way. Kyle Palmieri comes back and plays more games. Yeah, I think he's going to have a much better year just because him and Palmieri always seem to play well together. If I'm taking two, I'm taking Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan over Taylor Hall and Kyle Palmieri. Yeah, 100%. Just to talk more about Taylor Hall now. Uh, even when he was playing with Jesper Bratt, he was he was still playing super, super solid. So I know, I know I'm getting ahead of myself here on talking about number three while we're still on number four. Um, well, he's fine. Number three, Jamie Ben. There's no chance Jamie Ben makes it to round three. So I think we can agree on that. Jamie Ben is a second round pick. He's not a first round pick. Um, Eight team leagues. I'm not picking him in the first round. 12 team leagues. I'm not picking him in the first round. I might take him early second round, but not first round in anything less than a 12 team league. So I'm thinking he's a, he's a second-round pick. So if you are gunning for him, do it in round two. There's enough talent to go around to fill up the first round, I'm going to guess. Uh, Ben's the type of guy that could easily be a reach for round one, but safe for round two. Definitely mm-hmm. a steal in round three. I don't think he's making it to round three in any format. He's a surefire fantasy asset through and through, year after year. And 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 that's in both leagues, too. That's That's in... Points leagues and that's in category leagues. Yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a play. He's a top player for both leagues, and that cannot be said about everybody. But it is going to be said about my number two and my number one, and your number two and your number one. I'm not sure if we agree on this one, but I have Brad Marchand yeah. at number two and Ovi at number one. Are you flip flopped? I am flip flopped. I have Ovi at number two and Brad Marchand at number one. Oh. Um, they both really chip in in multiple ways which really makes it kind of hard to really kind of choose between the two of them. I get why you have Alex Ovechkin at number one, but I have him at number two. So, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about Marshan first. How about that? Yeah. Why don't you take your number one and I'll, uh, I'll add what I got to say about him and then I'll take my number one and vice versa. Okay. So 
I fully understand why people hate Brad Marchand. I, yeah. I, I really do. He is an asshole. He is a piece of shit. It, uh, he's going around fucking licking people. <laughs> he's going around kissing people. Like he's just always getting in some sort of trouble. He's still a, he's a stud, whether you like him or not. But that is his game. His yeah. game is to get under your skin and make you make the stupid play. Past two seasons, he had 85 points in both seasons. All right. And that was this year. He only played 68 games, got 85 points. Uh, he finished with 34 goals. Awesome. 51 assists. Awesome. I'll take those fucking numbers any day. So this is get, this is a guy that's going to get you a lot of points. Only had one year where he was in the negative for plus minus. That was his rookie season. He was a minus three. Every other year, he's been positive. Okay, so moving on to Pims. This guy is going to get you Pims. He's going to get you penalty minutes like out the ass. And this year, he got some of his lowest totals ever. He only had yeah. 63. On- and, and okay, so I'm going to preface, this, yeah, preface yeah, yeah. this by saying only. Okay, so in 68 games, he had 63 Pims. That's still top 50 in the league. <laughs> like, you got to be shitting me. Uh, the prior three seasons, he 81, 90, 95. Those are dating back to the last the last four years. As far as power play points, he's not really he's not killing it on power play, but he's not really hurting either. He got twenty three power play points with eight power play goals. I'll take it. This is what is really impressive to me. His shooting percentage. Now, this guy did not just come into the league, kind of like what we said every time I said with anything with Artemi Panarin, oh well, it's only been for three years. Uh, it's not like that for Brad Marchand. He's nope. been in the league nine fucking years now. His shooting percentage is 15.8. That's his average. He's an anomaly. Nine years. I mean, his high is 19.8. His low is 13.3. Yeah, he, sh- he shoots way above league average. I mean, he only had 182 shots this past season uh, with an 18.7 uh, shooting percentage. Now, how many guys in the league can you actually say had an 18.7 shooting percentage, and it's like not, you know what I mean? It, yeah, it's, it's, under, already... it's understandable. That shit doesn't happen. No, Okay, that, that's, why, that's why he is my number one, uh, just because he's notching off a whole bunch of different categories, including hits, um, including the PIMS. He's not really killing it on shots. All of Keep these. Mind, that's, uh, that's 182 shots in 68 games. Yeah, I'm gonna, do, I'm gonna do the math real quick. So he's gonna he's gonna level out at, at what? Probably around two thirty. I'm just kind of throwing a number out there with with mental math mathicals. It's two point six seven shots per game times eighty two. That's two hundred. Yeah, right around two hundred nineteen, two hundred twenty shots in a year. So eh, that's kind of close. That seems right on par with what Brad Marchand could do. What else you got on him? And and that's not really crazy because I mean that's right around his his general average. His high amount for shots was two hundred and fifty. That's a lot for Brad Marchand. All and right. He's usually gonna come points. in between two hundred and two twenty. Yep. So like I said, for, for all these reasons, that's why he's 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 my number one left winger. He just notches off a bunch of uh a bunch of boxes and especially especially in a category league, he yeah. is fucking money. Now, don't get me wrong. So is Alex Ovechkin, because I mean, Alex Ovechkin is throwing around like three hundred fucking hits every year, yeah. which is just crazy, unheard of. But I mean, 
Brad Marchand just he just does it all. I mean, all the extra stuff. You got you got one shorthanded goal, eight game winners. Uh, he finished top fifty in the league for Pims amongst people that played eighty two games. He shoots, he scores, he gets Pims, gets on the power play, and it's also the fourth most productive power play in the league as far as last year goes. Like every everything about him spells good. I mean, he takes the faceoffs. Like again, this is this is a winger. He only took like a hundred faceoffs last year, but he's still taking them. Everyone but he's still taking hours. some. I mean, it's yeah, not it's like, like he's taking zero faceoffs. ESPN is stating that Brad Marchand uh, sits third. Brad Marchand sits third amongst all NHL players and goals over the last three seasons. He's only behind Ovechkin and Tarasenko. His shots per game and point per game is top in the league. He plays, like I said, on the fourth most productive power play in, in the league. And as far as points per game goes, he scored 85 points in 68 games. He was tied with Nikita Kucherov for fourth in the NHL behind Malkin, McKinnon, and McDavid. And yeah, he's all, and every year he's always up there. You know what I yeah. mean. So whether you like him or not, he is somebody you should be drafting. Uh, all bias aside from the other thirty teams outside Boston, you should be taking this guy in the mid to late first round, second round if you're super fucking lucky. Like, yeah, if he's there in the second round, scoop him up. Yeah, you just you just pretty much sealed your championship there. And and this is coming from a guy I have him at number one. I fucking hate Brad Marchand. <laughs> yeah. All right, my number one, Alex Ovechkin. And as far as I'm concerned, that's enough said. Uh, he led the NHL in goals. He was 14th for power play points. He led the NHL in shots, had 139 hits, but it's the least Ovechkin has had since the lockout year where he put up 120 hits in 48 games. So it's the first time he put up less than 200 hits in a full season since 2009-2010. And even that year was the only other year that he put up less than 200 hits. So Ovechkin's a beast, well-deserved of his number one status. For me, as the five-hole top left wing, that's that's the guy I'm going with. What do you got on Ovechkin? Um, I mean, I can't disagree with you about, about a bunch of that. He's also going to check off a bunch of those boxes like we were just talking about. He's going to really help you out on hits. He's clearly going to help you out on goals, assists. One thing I actually liked about Ovechkin last year and it almost seemed like something like a switch kind of flipped on him where it wasn't all about me, me, me. He passed the puck a lot. He took shots when he was open. You you know where you're going to find Ovechkin. You know where he's going to sit. That one circle, yep. Okay, he loves it down there. You know where he's going to be, but there was times where teams were kind of all over him. So he was like, okay, well, I'm going to pass it to somebody else, and then somebody else would score. It's just his whole mentality changed from I'm tired of this shit. I really want to win a cup. And, and, and and he got it done. I mean, I wasn't rooting for them to win the cup this year. Don't get me wrong in a world where we all love hockey. It was still kind of nice to see Ovi get one. Yeah. I'll give you that. So that his his shooting percentage is over the 37 years that he's been in the league. um, Because Alex Kovacci is what, like 64 or something like that. Yeah, thirty-two. All I'm all I'm trying to get is yeah, he's been there for a while. He's an old guy. He's he's been in the league for a long time, and to have a shooting percentage average of twelve point four is not too fucking shabby. He's not dipping below ten. Generally, he's not going too high. It's not like he's going to get to fifteen because he's just firing pucks on net. That's what he does. That is his job. I'm fully fine with you having Alex Ovechkin at number one. I haven't have him at number two 
I'm sure a bunch of other people will have him at number one. I can't wait to hear who they have at number one. In my mind, if you have anybody but those two people, because I, I even I thought about putting Alex Ovechkin at one, number one. It was a real struggle for me to kind of decide who I wanted to put there and who to put at number two. I came to this, and I don't, uh, like I said, it's not like I, I, I fucking can't stand Brad Marchand, but I, I just, I look at the numbers and I try to look through through rose-colored glasses where I take everything into account. If you have anybody else other than Alex Ovechkin or Brad Marchand at number one on your left wingers, then I just fully fucking disagree with what you have to say. Can't wait to hear it. Let me know. Who do you got? Now, I will say, okay, so you had JVR in your honorable mentions. Yeah. So I'm I just going really like, to run through that. I, I like J. I thought about putting JVR on my list. Uh, I, I decided not to. I just like the situation that he's coming into in Philly, where he is kind of like that savvy veteran player who's going to get put on a night. He's going to what be on the second line, I'm guessing. Second line with Voracek, who is a natural playmaker, and JVR is a natural goal scorer. It's, it's, it's just going to work. Yeah, I th- I think he's just getting put into a really good situation for him. I mean, hell, even if he was still on fucking Toronto, Toronto and he yeah. was playing with John Tavares, he was going to be in a good situation this year. However, he's in Philly. I think he's just he's just put into a good spot. So, okay, what are the rest of your honorable mentions? Uh, my honorable mentions are Wayne Simmons, Sebastian Ajo. Uh, you had already spoke about Jonathan Huberto and Mike Hoffman, and I got Brock Besser up here. Um, he played like 60 some odd games last year and was was in serious talks about the Calder Trophy. Uh, he even kind of threw his name into the Rocket Richard race. Serious goal scorer. I think he's going to do really well this year. Um, Unfortunately and, for him until he got hurt, which we all hated to see. Yeah, man, that was brutal. But I think if he can if he can play a full season, he's going to be a stud without a doubt. So I, I'm excited to talk about him again next year probably within the top 10 rankings, but for this year, he is in my honorable mentions. Um, Wayne Simmons, this is another guy um, who who in past seasons has been all around awesome. He, he's gotten over 100 penalty minutes. He's gotten over 100 hits. Wayne Simmons can be an all-around fantasy asset, and I think this this might be the perfect year to hit on him is because we all knew he was he was injured with fucking everything last year. His thumb was broken. His fucking tongue was broken. Uh, I don't know what, what everything was fucking broken, man. So his he's poor got, girlfriend, his poor girlfriend, now wife. I think they got married. <clears throat> but uh, either way, broken tongue, broken tongue. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, man, he's got he's got the season to get better. He's uh, the off season to get better. He's got the off season to train. It's a contract year for him, so we know how much we like that going into um, a fantasy season. Where he's got to he's got to earn that money. Yep, draft draft people that got something to prove. Simmons has been underpaid for so long that this year is going to be what determines his next contract, whether it's with Philly or not. So uh, I'm just putting him in there as like kind of a, a value pick. I'm not going to call him a sleeper because everybody fucking knows who Wayne Simmons is, but he's going to be a value pick. As much as I love Simmer, he's not going to be on our team after this year. I don't know. We'll see. But uh, we'll talk about that he, next year. He may not be even on our team at the end of this year. So I'm going to go through um, our last year's rankings. Uh, me, I had Jimmy Bennett, number one, Marshand at number two, Ovechkin at number three, Max Pacioretty at number four, who doesn't even make the list this year because Canadians. Artemi Panarin at number five, Johnny Gaudreau at six, Philip Forsberg, Jeff Skinner, 
who doesn't make the list. Uh, Nikolai Ehlers, who's still a pretty sweet option, but didn't make my honorable mentions this year. So he's probably outside the top 15. Mike Hoffman, whose name keeps popping up. And for you, you had Marshand at number one again. You had Jamie Bennett at number two. Ovi, then Braden Shen, Taylor Hall, Forsberg, Panarin, Jeff Skinner, Johnny Gaudreau, and Marcus Johansson. Didn't work out for Marcus Johansson, huh? Didn't, didn't work out for Marcus Johansson. But uh, Braden Shen was definitely a savvy pick. You were right about that. He was um, he was more valuable than anybody, including myself, gave him credit for. So that was definitely a good foresight there. I just, I'm a big fan of situations, and I thought that he was going to a good situation, uh, was going to be playing with good players alongside of him and him being a uh, a power play specialist on a team that had a decent power play that needed a, a step up. So what's, what is it that kept him off your list this year? Is it just the other, the other 10 players are a little better. Maybe Braden Shen was number 11. Um, Braden Shen was really like just on the outside of my list. Really my top six. I had fucking just like, they were locked in. Yeah. It was just figuring out where I wanted to put them. It was really hard for, I, I couldn't not put Taylor Hall on this list. Now, I thought you had him a little high, but because of last year, and I mean, it's not like I wasn't a fan of Taylor Hall to to begin with, I had to put him on this list. I couldn't leave him off of it. Jonathan Marchessault, I think, really showed a whole lot this year, showed what he can be, and showed what the Vegas Golden Knights can be. Jonathan Huberdu, if he comes back healthy, he's going to have a great year. It's just the way it is. So that that's where I'm at. All right, man. Right Wings. Um Let's knock this bitch out. Yeah, I mean, we got a lot of the same guys. Well, so... and and we've we've talked about this before. So there is a lot of depth at left wing. There yeah. is a lot of depth at center. There is, in all honesty, not that much depth at right wing. So, I mean, we're going to have a lot of the same players. They're just going to kind of be switched up. No, I, I like how much uh, disparity we have. We both agree on the number one. And then, yeah, like you said, we have a lot of the same people, but in different orders. So... I'm going to start off here with my number and, 10. And mind, and mind you, folks, we make these lists completely separate from each yeah, other. Yeah, we, we don't talk about this at all until, like, you know, Zach sent me this, what, 20 minutes, 20 minutes before, before we before started we recording. Start. So uh, my number 10 is Joe Pavelski. And I'm putting him on here because he and Evander Kane, my other number 10, showed real chemistry last year. It's going to be exciting to see what they can put together in a full season. Uh, Pavelski had 66 points in 82 games. 41 penalty minutes, 224 shots, a 54% face-off win percentage, taking over 900 face-offs as a winger. Again, I like to see that kind of thing, you know, with the whole face-off penalty type thing. Now you're going to see a lot more wingers taking face-offs. 93 hits, 70 blocks, 23 power play points. He had an even zero uh, plus minus. He's an all-around hockey player. He's goddamn America, dude. Fuck yeah. If I recall, I don't have it in front of me, but I believe I had him on my list last year for right wingers. Yeah, you did. Where did I have him? Let's see. All types of shit about uh fucking Mitch Marner on there. <laughs> over over Pavelski. So you last last year you had Pavelski at number seven. And then this year he didn't make my list. But right. let let me let me be honest here. I, I do like Joe Pavelski. Um it took me a lot to not have him on my list. Oh, I see I had James. Neil on my list, huh? James Neil, yeah. We'll talk about that what later. A, what a smart move of me to have him on my list from last year. Okay. Very good. 
<laughs> um, okay, so I'm a big fan of Joe Pavelski. Uh, I don't like the Sharks, but I do like Joe Pavelski. He is a guy who is just, he's always playing in five seasons. How many games did he miss? Fucking one. In the past five seasons, he has missed one game. He is always available to play. Uh, he's not going to, like, really tear it up on the point sheet. He's not getting over 80 points in any time of his career. That actually can be said over the past seven years because 2012-13 was the lockout year, and they only played 48 games. So that's true. Seven years, he pl- he only missed one game. That's actually very true. That's an American hero right there, bud. That's a good point. One game in seven years is what he's missed. Wow. That's fucking nuts. Like I was saying, I mean, it's not like he's going to break 80 points. Uh, He can, but I don't know if the Sharks are really made for anyone to kind of break 80 points. I don't know what you think, but I mean, I don't see kind of anyone taking enough shots to really break 80 points. I mean, unless fucking Brent Burns is going to come out and get 80 points, which I guess wouldn't surprise me, but um, maybe a Vander Kane. But I, that's the whole thing. I think they're going to have a whole bunch of 60, 70-point players. Yeah, he, he's and, probably and, like a 70, 75-point guy. And a lot a- of them. I think they're probably going to have like five players that have 65, 70 points. That's not out of the realm of possibilities. As far as like your other stats, he's pretty decent on the power play. He's always going to run you about between 20, 25, maybe even 30 power play points. This last year, he had seven goals on the power play. But in years past, he's had 10-plus goals on the power play. They really don't run the power play as much through him as they do a player like Brent Burns, who is just their... He is their power play fucking cannon. Bread and butter, bud. It's just what they do. It's how they run their power play. They, they, They pass the puck back to him and let him fire it in. Hill. I mean, Brent Burns will have six shots just on the power play every fucking game. Six just, shots every two minutes. <clears throat> it's just how they roll on the power play. His shooting percentage was down a little bit last year. It's uh, It was at a 9.8 last year, which is pretty much a solid 2% less than what his average is. Yeah, but, lowest in eight years. Yeah, I mean, it's his lowest... It's his lowest since, what, back around 2010, 2011. I'm not worried about that, though, because, I mean, he's just below 10%. He could easily bring that up to a a 10, 11, 12%, and he's going to be right where he always has been in his yeah. career. He's just a, he's just a steady point guy, man. He's just a steady player. And he's gonna he's gonna help you out in a lot of different ways. The reason he makes my top ten is all that extra shit. So he's a seventy point guy that is giving you the face offs, the hits, the all that extra shit. So that's why I like him there. Who's your number ten? At number ten, I have Alexander Radilov. If you have listened to our podcast before, you would know that uh, you like Dallas. I like the stars. I yeah. I want. I just they have all of these pieces. They have everything on their team. Everything on their top line. Yeah, I wish they would kind of break up that top line and all really make it a top six. Uh, that really hurts my fucking feelings that they don't. You say they have all of these pieces. They have all three pieces. They have really good offensive players. They have a fantastic top D pairing and a very solid second D pairing. So they have really good D. And they have Ben Bishop isn't exactly blowing down straw houses like the fucking big bad wolf. But like Ben Bishop is a serviceable goalie. They have what it takes 
to at least get to the fucking playoffs. They how, how are they not getting to the playoffs in the West? How? Too top heavy, man. You, me, and Mike, you me and Mikey could start a team and almost get to the playoffs in the fucking West. I mean, if we had that top line, yeah, for sure. All I'm saying is they have the pieces to do much better than they have the past couple of years. It just seems like every year they're either a savvy pick to not only get to the playoffs, but even win the fucking cup like they have been in the past. And they just underachieve. They underachieve. They underachieve every fucking year. I, I mean, I'm tired of it. I thought that the Alexander Radulov to get him and bring him in from the Canadians was a fantastic move. But don't get me wrong. They are very top heavy. Now we're talking about Alexander Radulov. Um, last year, he played all 82 games, had 72 points. 27 of them were goals, 45 assists. Pretty solid numbers. I, I'm not totally against it. He's had a plus minus. He's been on the plus side every year of his career. Pims, he's always going to help you. Last year, he had 72 penalty minutes in 82 games. I dig okay, it. Okay, so he's going to help you. He's going to help you with that. And he also chips in on the power play. So he had seven goals on the power play and 23 points total. I think he's a really good piece. I always love the shooting percentage. His average shooting percentage um, in the five years that he's been in the league is 13.9%. Yeah, and he shot below that last year. Just adding in the fact that he had 77 hits and 64 blocks. So, like, that's not there. Helping out. He was very well deserving of my number 10. Do I think he is a top five right winger? No, because I think the top five right wingers are just so fucking good. Hell, I think the top six or seven right wingers are so fucking good. It's kind of, for me, eight, nine, and ten are kind of all a little bit interchangeable. So I feel fine with having Radulov in number 10. He makes my uh, honorable mention list. He doesn't make my top 10. Definitely in the top 15 for me. He's a name that you'd definitely be aware of, is, is all I'm saying. If you grab an Alexander Radulov in, like, I don't know, what would you say, like, the ninth or tenth round, a little bit later. You're grabbing him at a decent spot. If you get him in like the twelfth round, and he's still oh, there, then you then you made a really good fucking move. Yeah. But if you get him in like the the ninth or tenth, it's a solid place to take him. Don't take him ahead of that because there are other good choices. Unless you are in a league where you draft by position, then if Alexander Radulov is your second best right winger, you're in the fucking money. If he's your best right winger, you might be hurting a little bit. Yeah. So we agree on number nine, Jacob Voracek. The thing I'm most excited about with him is that he's going to have a new line mate in James Van Riemsdyk. Like we were saying before, Voracek is notorious for his role as a playmaker. He isn't much for goal scoring, but he's very good at being that pass first guy. And having someone of JVR's caliber on the opposing wing, who is a shoot first, score first type of guy, uh, is only going to bode well for Voracek. He quietly... Surprisingly, he quietly put together a season over a point per game with 65 of his 85 points being assists. 35 of those points were on the power play. So I'm looking for a repeat year out of Jake. He's going to be a point per game player. He's likely going to be able to produce better at five on five, um, having a stronger Nolan Patrick at center and a top end goal scorer on his left wing in James Van Riemsdyk. So I'm I'm really looking forward to what Jacob Borchek can put together next year. I think it's going to be uh, Jakob. Jakob Borchek, yeah. So, I mean, I also had Jakob Voracek at number nine. Now, you were saying how he's not like, don't get me wrong, he's not an elite goal scorer. Past two, te- uh, past two seasons, he's had 20-plus. Well, he had 20. In the past six seasons, he's broken the 20-goal mark. Okay, three seasons ago, he only had 11. 
However, he only played uh, 73 games. That being said, he's always going to score goals and just score more assists. He's a prolific passer, like you were just saying. Having him and Nolan Patrick on a line together and having JVR take shots, think about this. Who's on that second D pairing? Who is he going to be playing with? Ivan Provorov. Ivan Provorov, who's more of a quarterback for the power play, coming in after that is a Shane Goss bear. Yeah. So, so it's I mean, not like Shane Goss bear is just playing with the bottom six. It's all, right? all good things. He, he's, a, he's a great shooter. So I think that Shane Goss bear and, and James Van Riemsdyk are going to get a lot of those goals, and Nolan Patrick and Voracek are going to get a ton of assists. Yeah. So I'm glad we both agree because number nine, as far as right wings go, that's to me that's the perfect place to put him. Can't go wrong with that. Uh, number, I'm eight. just glad. I'm just I just like when we agree. It makes <laughs> me all warm. It makes me all warm and fuzzy inside. Uh, so much for that because at number eight I have Mitch Marner and you have Mark Stone, and um, I don't even have Mitch Marner on my list. I don't have Mark Stone on my list. So, uh, which one of us should go first? You want me to talk about Mitch Marner? Sure. You can right. talk about you can talk about Mitch Marner. Which so, is so weird because like the second year in a row I have I just Mitch don't Marner. like Mitch Marner. So Mitch Marner gets a new line mate in John fucking Tavares, and that really only solidifies his spot in the top ten here. That's why you have him at number eight, because and he's playing year, with John Tavares. And last year I had him at number eight. So he dials in at number eight again. Not only is Marner quality fucking player on his own especially last year when he led the Leafs in scoring you put John Tavares in that equation now and we have a really scary draft pick here uh, especially if somebody else gets him so Marner had 69 points last year which seems to kind of like be his floor for this year I'm going to safely put him at a 75 point floor and just kind of call it a day that is uh that's what I got to say about Mitch Marner number eight 75 point floor that was really quick you must not be that that big on Mitch Marner I don't have to defend my case that's what it is. Of course you do. That's what we're fucking doing here. We're defending ourselves. Which Marner's good. I'm not saying he's not good. He's just, all right. So we agree. Let's move on. Who's your number just, eight? <laughs> what we agree? We agree that he's not in the top ten. No, I think he is. Oh, I thought that's what we agreed upon. Okay, I, I, I was I was confused there for a second. I just think there's so many great players on the Maple Leafs, and Mitch Marner is good, but not I good think having lead the Maple Leafs in points last year. I think he's not good enough to have in my top 10 when he's only been around for two years. That's fine. Let's talk about uh, Austin Matthews tomorrow, though. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but Austin Matthews is going to be like a fucking generational player. No offense to Mitch Marner. You're good, but you're not going to be the caliber of what Austin Matthews is going to be at the end of his career. No, if- I'm not trying to say Mitch Marner is going to lead the Leafs in points this year. I'm just saying... As far as right wings go, man, like number eight, safe place to put him. Uh, you got Mark Stone. I want you to defend that case. He could possibly be the only one on the Ottawa Senators that had a positive plus minus. He did have a plus minus, which was actually, you're right, was really hard to do last year on the Ottawa Senators. With a couple of new faces in, in the Ottawa locker room, it's really going to help him. So, okay, last year he only played 58 games. But he had 62 points in those 58 games. 20 goals, 42 assists in 58 games. Okay, so he's almost a point-per-game player. No, he's more than that. 62 points in 58 games, that's more than a point. Oh, yeah. Shit, so, you're right. You, I, I, my, my math was fucking 
all wacky there for a second. Over a full yeah. season, he's got an 88-point 80, pace. It's 87.65, so it definitely rounds up to 88 points. His shots were a little bit scary, but then I saw how many games he played, and uh makes more sense now. On top of the fact that his shooting percentage, his career shooting percentage over six seasons is 15.5%. He shot like right on par with that. For six seasons? That's fucking fantastic. In the past, so, okay, so last season he was 15.2. He's always around 15 or 16%. That's great. All I need him to do is play 75-plus games. That's all I'm looking for. 75-plus games, if he has the same shooting percentage, he's going to do much better. I like Ottawa's style of play. Now, Mark Stone was, uh, was hurt a little bit this year. I was lucky enough to be able to scoop him up last year when he was coming back um, because he was out for, for quite a while. So, I mean, he's one of those players, don't get me wrong, don't draft him too high. He's another one I think that you could probably get safely in, like, I would say the 11th round. So a lot of the people that I've had on my list have not been prone to missing games and have been very healthy players. Um, you don't exactly uh, – you have to be aware – that Mark Stone is going to miss some games for you. It is just going to happen. You have to be fully aware that there's going to be a time where he's sitting out for 10, 15 game stretches. Yeah, it's that Evgeny Malkin shit. When I try to, if I'm drafting somebody, I don't want to have somebody who's just going to sit in my IR spot. Yep. So that's why I'm saying 10 plus. That's that's my thought on it. Okay. Um, All right. But don't get me wrong. I like Mark Stone. Okay. Yeah. Let's move to number seven. Somebody at number seven that uh, that I have falling a lot, and you have you have pretty high. I have Patrick Kane at number seven, so he had a seventy six point year last year, and that seems to like be his floor. Um, it was his least productive full season since two thousand eleven two thousand twelve. He's still an elite shot producer. I've, I'll say it again. He he showed at the IIHF that he's still an elite talent. His chemistry with Alex Labrinkit <laughs> was super impressive. Um, putting up 20 points in 10 games. And if those two play together on a line together, I'm going to try and stack the two. So if I get Patrick Kane, you know, in like the fourth round or something, because his value did drop this year, he's not the top five pick that he used to be, but he's still a stud. So the bounce back may be coming. If I can steal him late, I'm going to start to target Alex to bring it because I want to stack those two, those two players. So you might be able to get Patrick Kane at sort of a discount here, but he always seems to be like a point per game guy. So I do want to see him bounce back to that, 82 points in 82 games kind of guy that he is. You have a number seven, and I, I, I do. I get it. I understand why because of – are you leaving, Mikey? Yeah, man. I got to get home. Uh, here's – Cheers. Here's to you, brother. I miss you. I'll see you next time, man. Okay. Later, yeah, brother. Later. Later. So where where do you have Patrick Kane? I have him at number two. I can't help myself. Uh, he's still Patrick Kane. I know – who Patrick Kane is. Patrick Kane is somebody with a 75-point floor. Yeah. So, I mean, if, if that's a bad season, that's fine. And you have your number seven at a 75-point floor. His ceiling is 100 fucking points. To me, somebody at number seven does not have a ceiling of 100 points. The whole you, I'm glad you talked about the whole DeBrinket thing because if they have DeBrinket and Kane on a line together, they obviously showed a lot of promise. I think that they will do that this year. As far as the other parts of his game go, he's clearly a goal scorer. Let's be honest. He's going to help you out on PIMS. He's going he's gonna to get around 30 PIMS a year 
but he's not going to shoulder it. Yeah, he he's not going to really throw himself out there. He's not getting five for fighting. You yeah. know what I mean? So I'll tell he, you that. This he, is an offense-only kind of guy. Yeah, you're you're getting him for his goal-scoring ability. Yep, without a doubt. And then you also have to think about, uh, okay, so where's Jonathan Taze going to be in this whole mix-up? I mean, Jonathan Taze is getting up there, and so is Patrick Kane. Maybe I'm a little overzealous to have him at number two. You're saying you might be able to get Patrick Kane at a discount. I don't know if I see that. Patrick Kane is one of the few players in the NHL. You can ask somebody that doesn't watch the NHL. You say the name Patrick Kane, and they know who Patrick Kane is, and they know who he plays for. Now, I'm not going to give you too much shit because my number two is a little bit controversial as well. So we'll just we'll get there when we get there. And that's where I stand at Patrick Kane. I, I know who he is. I know who he can be. I know what his possibilities are. So to have him at a number seven, it just seems like a real stretch to me. I know that his average draft status is going to be lower than it was last year. I'll give you that. Is he a top 10 pick? No, probably not. But if you pick somebody like Patrick Kane in the fucking second round, I think you got yourself a good pick. Okay, so any of your other people that you have at number seven, are you picking in the second round? Number seven left wing is Artemi Panarin. Uh, Point for game, Artemi Panarin, maybe, yeah. Scored more points than Patrick Kane. I don't know. I I would put them in the same league. All I'm saying is generally uh, a number seven in a top ten is not going to be a second round pick let alone a first-round pick. But, yeah. I mean, hey. Okay, so let's let's move on here. Number six, we agree, Mayor McCheese. All right, I didn't get to go along with my number seven. Who's your number seven? Young Gary Busey is number seven. <laughs> um, so Gary Busey has only been in the league two years. Gary Busey has had a, a short career. Last year, he played 82 games. The year before that, 73. Now, he is a pure goal scorer. He is a young of Bechkin. If you've listened to us before, you know we're talking about Patrick Line. Yeah, Gary Busey's time-traveling hockey body. Yes. He is a pure scorer. Don't get it twisted. That's who he is. He like he even likes the same fucking spot on the ice as Alex Ovechkin. Yeah, he's he's fucking Ovechkin 2.0, man. Like it's just the way it is. Last year he scored 44 goals and 26 assists. 20 of those goals were on the power play too. That's a league leading 20 goals on the power play. He plays with one of the best dishmasters in the game of Mark Shifley. And Blake Wheeler, too, man. And Blake Yeah. So, okay, so that line that they play on is fucking fantastic. The Jets have a great thing going. Also, you want to draft people with something to prove. Patrick Line is going to be one of those people that has something to prove his entire fucking career. Oh, my God. I can't agree with that more. Okay, because he hates the fact that he (laughs) didn't get drafted first. Yep. All right, he hates the fact that he doesn't play in Toronto. Not that he maybe even wants to play in Toronto. He just truly believes, and hey, maybe by the end of it, it'll be true. Who knows? I don't think so, but who knows? He wanted to be the first pick. It's going to be so much fun to watch for the rest of their careers. Patrick Line, he just is always going to play with a chip on his shoulder. He's going to take 200-plus shots for you. Last year, he took two, uh, 241, and through two years, his shooting percentage is fucking 18%. And I think that's going to stay that way for the rest of his career. He's one of those elite goal scorers. He just is. He he is a pure goal scorer. I I don't like him, but I'll give him that. The man can put the fucking puck in the net. And I totally blame Paul for the fact that I don't like him. 
You, you know what? It might have a big part of it. I think that is it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm biting my tongue every day for saying that he's going to have the sophomore slump. He, he had a fucking great year. Shit. Um, he, had a, he had a better year. He had a better yeah. year than his first year. Patrick Liney is my number four. So I have him, I have him a lot higher than you do. But at number six, we agree. It's uh it's Mayor McCheese, Phil Kessel. Mayor McCheese. Mayor McCheese, that aka fat sack of shit. AKA Phil Kessel scored 42 fucking points on the power play. 42 points. That's 50 even strength points left over. He scored 92 points in 82 games, all from a middle six role. He spent some time on the uh, third line. He spent some time on the second line. Phil Kessel may not be that hot dog chugging fat ass that we love to make fun of. Well, maybe, maybe he is, but still in your drafts, you have to see how this guy produces and keep it in mind. He is a top three round pick with value hitting at the fourth round. So if you can get him in the fourth round, you're really scoring out on this one. Kessel tosses in added value with his three shots per game, the power play points. He He's not about that hitter block life, nor does he spend much time in the box. But for 42 power play points and 50 even strength points from like the second and third lines, you're not going to go wrong with Phil fucking Kessel. Hell, for a pretty <coughs> long time throughout the year, he was the leading scorer on the Penguins. It was he was great. honestly one of the only people that were really kind. Don't get me wrong. I don't like him. I didn't even really like him on Toronto. I didn't like him in Boston. Nope. I definitely don't like him at Pittsburgh. Nope. But fat fucking piece of I shit. Have him at, I have him at number six because... He is always going to score you those points. He had, I mean, shit, like you said, he had 92 points last year. Now, his average shooting percentage throughout his lengthy career, which I'll give it to him, he is a very good veteran, is above 10%. Uh, he's at 10.8 last year. He shot at 13. Um, so it's not like that really scares you. You know what I mean? The 13% doesn't scare me when your average is a, a, a 10.8. He even shot more this year and had a higher shooting percentage. That's actually hard to do. A lot of people have a higher shooting percentage because they're shooting maybe a little less. So his shots went up and his shooting percentage went up. He's just but good it all comes him. down to just good. In my mind, that he plays with Evgeny Malkin. That helps. Them playing together has been great for both of them. Now, if you would put either of them on a on a line with uh Sidney Crosby, they would do great. But they've played together for quite some time now, all three years that Kessel has been in Pittsburgh, he's played with Evgeny Malkin. They have a great chemistry together. Now it's like, okay, so who's playing with who's playing with Sidney Crosby today? It's like if you have Sidney Crosby, you gotta look at it every different yeah. day. And yeah, so these are uh these are the schlups that are playing with Crosby. But one thing you can always guarantee is that Kessel and Malkin are going to play together. That is a big kind of safety blanket that you can have if you have either of them you know that both of them are going to play a lot at least during the regular season Evgeny Malkin is going to play towards the playoffs that might not be the case yeah in the past eight years TJ do you know how many games Phil Kessel has missed I'm going to free ball this one I'm going to say four games you're wrong how many games zero Ooh. all right good in the past eight in the past eight fucking years he has missed zero games do you think that's because he probably still hasn't gotten off the ice since the last game and he just gets he gets guilt tripped into playing again i i i find uh, that that's a crazy stat it is i mean as much as i don't like phil kessel 
I got to give it to the guy. He is a fucking Iron Man. The lowest that he's played in his entire career is three seasons. He played 70 games. Every other year, he has played every single game. That's nuts. Uh, I mean, it's it's hard to do. The 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 league that we all know, uh, the NHL, is just it's a fucking hard league to play in. It's hard to stay healthy. It's it's hard to not get nicked up. And I'll tell you what, he even though we make fun of him and we really do, I'm the one that gave him his nickname of Mayor McCheese. Yeah. Um, if you're playing 82 games in an NHL season. Don't get it twisted, folks. You're playing hurt. Yeah. You just are. Everybody gets nicked up. Everybody gets bumps and bruises. You are playing hurt. But he still put up 92 points. But he still put up 92 points. So uh, don't, yeah, I, I don't like you, Phil Kessel, but uh, at the end of the day, I, I still have respect for you. I'll take you on my team. That that guy's going to go to the Hall of Fame. And uh, he, he, fuck you, though. Yeah, let's not finish <laughs> let's not finish that sentence. Um, all right, so my number four we already talked about is Patrick Line. I know we're on number five, but uh, my number five and your number four. So we're just gonna I'll talk about David Pasternak, and you can add it in, and we'll just move straight to number three. David Pasternak has been on an upward trajectory since he entered the league. He's shooting at over three shots a game. He's hovering so close to a point per game status. I think it's really his time to be discussed amongst the top five right wings in the league. And I think that starts right now. Uh, he's going to break the point per game mark this year. I think he's going to flirt with 40 goals. That power play, like I said before, when we talked about Brad Marchand, is the number four best power play as far as last year goes, but they're always consistently in the top 10. It's one of the most effective power plays in the league. David Pasternak's a part of that. He, he's just entering his prime. So I really, I really think he's going to be good. And I know you agree with me because you have him ranked higher than I do. Yeah. I mean, I have David Pasternak at number four. He's one of those players, honestly, as, as long as uh, I've been playing fantasy hockey, I've never had him on my team and I am always fucking jealous about it. All right. I, I hate playing against the person. <laughs> it's me. Whoever, whoever, whoever it is. Yeah. But even if it's not you, Anybody that has him, I hate playing against that person. David Pasternak is a fantastic player. He's always going to score points against you. Um, he's not killing it on PIMS, but this guy's always going to have a plus in the plus-minus league. His shooting percentage is fan friggin tastic I mean, he's at 13.3 for his career. Last year, he was at a 14.2. Yeah, he's never really wavered from that. And I mean, he's gonna he's gonna throw two hundred plus shots on uh, on the net. I mean, he's just a good player on a good line. Yep. How yeah. can you not want that? I have him at number four. He's not a good player on a good line. He is a great player on a great line. Yeah. Arguably the best single line in the NHL today. That probably rivals the only little line I can think of that's maybe more productive is the Kucherov Stamkos line. Yeah, and that so that's a photo finish right there between the two lines. They're like so damn close. I mean, if you put it, if you put a third superstar on that line, uh, which they may have this year down yeah. in uh, Pasternak's on his way. Even like that to me, that's three superstars right no, there. No, I'm, I'm saying I'm saying down in uh, down in Tampa already already in Boston. That is just three superstars just all playing together. Yeah. I I I would take that like that line over probably any line in all of hockey. If you have a chance to get one of those three guys, scoop them up. 
So that's that's my number five. Your number four. We already talked about my number four, Patrick Line. Yeah. So your number five in place of my David Posternock is Blake Wheeler, who I have ranked a little bit higher than you do. You have Wheeler ranked at two. I do. Yeah. And which is why I said I, I might take a little bit of shit for this one. Uh, Blake Wheeler had 91 points this year, which is a career high. His previous high was 78 points. Uh, Wheeler has what I would say is improvement on the horizon. Um, 91 points, 81 games, 52 penalty minutes, 94 hits, 66 blocks, 246 shots, 40 power play points, and a shooting percentage that is lower than his career average, which is why I say that he can do better. It was an absolute career year. Wheeler's a stud all around. I'm going to draft him in the first three rounds. I'm a huge fan of the Jets. Fuck you, Zach. I know you don't like the Jets, but I... I hate the Jets. I hate the Jets, and I have two of them in my top 10 for fucking right-wingers. I hate so them. I can't so stand they're good. So they're good, and, and we all know they're good. Uh, Blake Wheeler has that double eligibility as center and right-wing. I mean, I can get why you have him at number five, because the, the top five is like clogged with so much talent. But uh, yeah. mm-hmm. for all that extra shit, I got him at number two. My number one and my number three are offense-only guys. Blake Wheeler touches so many categories, and that's why I have him up there. Honestly, I don't really know what I can, what else I can say about Blake Wheeler that that you didn't already cover. He's I'm fucking done. good. He's I'm fucking done. good. All right, so that's, he, he, that's he is. Right he, he's fucking good. Um, and it it's always seemed like uh, in the whole league, it'll be like top ten players, Blake Wheeler, number eleven, like every fucking year. So that Blake Wheeler under the radar shit, that's fucking over, man. Like, it's not happening anymore. Blake Wheeler is somebody you have to target, and it's not going to be falling to you in the fourth or the fifth round, and you're like, holy shit, I forgot this guy was fucking top 15 in points last year. No, this dude is, you know, top three round shit. As much as I fucking hate to say it, and as much as it sucks, the Jets have arrived. Um, yep, they're going to win the fucking Stanley Cup this year. They are not going to win. Can have it, uh, We're three throwing around. We're throwing Three around bets. bets. Yeah, let's make a bet about that. Three bets, one episode. You guys heard it here, folks. Okay. Uh, um, I want to bet uh, a year's salary that the Jets will not win the Stanley Cup next year. So so you get 30 teams, and I only get one. Yeah. Who do you think? Who do you think is going to win the Stanley Cup? And this will be the bet. Whoever makes it further in the playoffs wins the bet. So you pick a team. doesn't have to be from the West like the like the Jets. You can pick whoever you want. Who's going to win the cup? And whoever makes it further in the playoffs wins the bet. The Lightning. The Lightning? Okay, I'll take that bet. What are we betting? Whoever makes it further in the playoffs. Yeah, I know, but what what do we win? I don't know. Wouldn't it be awesome if it was was the fucking Jets versus the Lightning? Oh, my God. We would have to get in the fucking band, in in like the Stanley Cup, we'd literally have to like go to a game. Yeah, it would be excellent. We'd have to go to a game in Tampa, uh, I guess. That's entirely, <laughs> entirely plausible. Uh, that would that would be really fucking cool, actually. So, at number four, you had David Pasternak. We talked about him. Uh, at number three, we both agree on Vladimir Tarasenko. Yeah, take it away with him, man. I know you like him a lot better than me. Do you ever see Vladimir Tarasenko's legs? He's got tree trunks, dude. Yeah, he is strong as fuck. He is just. A fucking bulldog, this guy. Actually, I, I know I said you take it away, but I want to start this off by saying like anything that anybody wants to say about the Blues last year is completely irrelevant. Think about this. They got Ryan O'Reilly, Tyler Bozak, uh, Jaden Schwartz is going to be healthy. Uh, Robbie Fabry is going to be healthy. They got Patrick Maroon, David Perron. Robert Thomas is coming up as the, the fucking 4C. 
that's like half your team is new people. So anything anybody says about the St. Louis Blues, oh, they were shit last year, blah, 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 Jake Allen can't do this. Yeah, maybe Jake Allen can't do it again, but he has an entirely new team in front of him. Completely new team. And St. Louis has arguably the most intimidating center depth in the fucking league. You can at me all you want on a fucking Twitter or whatever about, you know, oh, Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin. Yeah, you got Derek fucking Broussard as your third-line center in Pittsburgh. They have fucking Tyler Bozak as their third-line center and then the god that Rob Thomas is supposed to be. Like, I don't give a fuck. St. Louis is probably the strongest team down the middle and Durant. I'm done. That was, <laughs> I'm done the- <laughs> that was a good one. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. That was a good one. I'm putting Vladimir Tarasenko at number three, and so are you, yep. after a down year. Now, I know we just talked about how they are a completely different team, which is very true. Jane Schwartz was hurt a lot last year, which, let's be honest, is going to hurt Vladimir Tarasenko. Them two together just kind of, they really click. But Vladdy is always, the, he is just a healthy guy. He played 80 games uh, in the past three years. He's only missed four games, uh, which I love. I feel like he's got a 70-point floor this year and a I would say an 80, 85, 86-point ceiling. Yeah, not too much further than that. And that's even the 70-point floor is a little conservative, but keeping in mind that he did have shoulder surgery this offseason and hoping the recovery goes according to plan and that he has a little bit of time to train. Just keeping that in mind, um, I also agree, obviously, that he's number three, but got to say it. Okay, so I think they're going to have a much beefed-up power play as well. He had 16 points on the power play. Six of them were goals. Uh, when you are playing with somebody like Braden Shen on the power play, who, well, is going to score a lot of the power play goals because that's just what he fucking does, um, he is going to be on a solid first power play unit. Alex Petrangelo is a great defenseman for, to be the quarterback of your number one power play. Now, Tarasenko isn't going to help you out with with a lot of penalty minutes. He's not going to help you out with a lot of um, hits and stuff like that. He will hit, um, but it's not like he's going out looking for it. His career shooting percentage, he was down last year, like a lot of his stats. I'm sure people are going to be upset that he is number three just because of how how down of a year he had last year. Um, his career average is 13.1 on the shooting percentage. And last year, he had a a 10.8. Now, it's not super down, but yeah, it is down, and I get it. But they are so revamped this year. I think you're going to see an an entirely different Blues team. I'm excited to see them play. I think they're a good team, and I think they're going to not only make the playoffs, but I think they have a, a good chance of even getting to, like, the third round. You brought up a good point earlier. It's all going to come down to Jake Allen. Uh, they may even, don't be surprised if after all of these other moves that they have made, if they make a change in goalie. So, I mean, last year I had him at number three. You had him at number two. ESPN ranks him at number six, which is strange enough. Um, ESPN rankings, I'm just going to go down the top. I'll do the top 15 because a lot of the people we're going to talk about are within that top 15 range. Uh, number one, who we're both going to agree on next, um, is Nikita Kucherov. Uh, Patrick Laine is actually in their number two right wing. Uh, David Pasternak at number three. Blake Wheeler at four. Patrick Kane at five. Tarasenko six. Kessel seven. Marner eight. Pavelski. Poracek. Alex Radilov. Ilya Kovalchuk, who actually didn't make either of our lists. 
Um, Sebastian Ajo, Brock He's Besser. Been out of the league for so long. Yep, and I can't agree with you more, which is why I didn't even touch him. Brock Besser at number 14 and Miko Rantanen at number 15. And I think that's a pretty solid list. A lot of those names are pretty high up there. I don't know. It's it's going to be a really fun season for Vladimir Tarasenko. Uh, he's got that that's that shiny new team. They have a chance to be one of like the the highest scoring offenses in the league. And it it could be one of those things where uh, maybe you have a Matt Murray syndrome where Jake Allen he's a league average goalie, but your offense is so good that you win so many fucking games. Let's it, hope. Yeah, it, it could be right up there with like a Matt Murray nine oh seven save percentage. But you still make the playoffs, go to the second round, and you know, dot dot dot. That doesn't matter. We're talking fantasy. Tarasenko is going to be good. He's going to be in your top five uh, right wings here. Number two for me, I had Blake Wheeler. You had Patrick Kane, both of which we already touched. Number one, like I already spoiled, we have Nikita Kucherov. I, who, I think I think it's a, a clear cut. Yeah, and there's not much more we need to say there. He had 100 points this year. He almost hit 40 goals. He had 36 points on the power play. 279 shots. My man, he's a fucking offensive stud. He's a top five pick, just a top five pick going into the draft, probably even top three, but he is all offense, but who the fuck cares? You know, get your pims, get your heads, get your fucking blocks somewhere else. This is goddamn Nikita Kucherov. So it's hard to find. It's hard to find somebody with, that has a hundred point ceiling. What? And next year, I mean, I, I was going to say 80 point floor, but I think that that's even like super conservative. 85 points is like almost this guy's floor. That's fucking nuts. So Nikita Kucherov, I don't think anybody's going to have anything to say. None of these guys even touch. And he's taken shots too. Like he's taken 279, took 279 shots last year and still shot at a 14% average. His average for his career is 14.3. So so I'm just going to throw this in here. Um, Our rankings last year, for me, it was Patrick Kane at number one, Kucherov at two. Tarasenko three, Drysidel at number four, Pasternak at five, Simmons six, Line A seven, Marner eight, Wheeler number nine, and Cam Atkinson at number ten. Uh, for you, man, you had um, Patrick Kane number one. We agreed on that. Tarasenko at two, Kucherov at three, Simmons, Oshie, James Neal, Joe Pavelski, Phil Kessel, Alex Radulov, and David Pasternak. So, I mean, there's not too much disparity going from this year to last year. It's going to be fun to see what what this year brings. And, you know, we're going to be looking back on this episode next year and just saying, Oh my God, I can't believe Nikita Kucherov broke his foot in the first fucking season and missed. Don't say, don't say, don't say. (laughs) But we'll see, man, this, this is going to be a fun season, but I think I'm I'm super looking forward to it. You know what else I'm looking forward to TJ? Yeah. Doing centers and D men. Yeah. So we're going to have, we're going to have two pretty exciting uh, episodes coming out for you in the next couple weeks. But we're going to be doing a bunch of rankings, people. And yeah. then after that, what are we doing next? We're moving on to goalies and power plays. Yes, sir. So, I mean, it's just it's uh, we're going to have a uh, a bangerang couple of weeks here, and it's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, I love doing rankings. I love listening to other people's ranking shows just to see what I mean, what other people think. Uh, I mean, I love my I love myself, but <laughs> I, I love hearing other people's stuff too, just to see uh, kind of where where I fall in and uh, if other people really make better points than I do. I mean, I, I that's what I'm saying. I, I'd love to hear other people's stuff. Cause it's like, Oh, well, you know what? I didn't think about that. That's a good point. Yeah. There's, there's maybe, things you overlook. Maybe they are deserving of being in, in the top 10. And I didn't even think of that. So, I mean, that's really why I love to kind of listen to those things because 
everybody thinks a little bit differently. Just outside the top 10, I forgot to do this. I'm just going to throw it in real quick. Uh, the honorable mentions that I had for for the right wing, Evgeny Dadnov was just outside for me. William Nylander, um, even though he kind of doubles up as the center, Travis Konechny and Miko Rantanen. These are guys that we didn't talk about. I had Marcheseau and Radulov just outside, but those are two guys that you covered. So I think we're pretty good on that. But as far as like my top 15, 16 go, those are the dudes. Yeah, man, it, this this was definitely a fun episode. Uh, we all thank Mikey Ment for stopping by and kind yeah. of throwing throwing back a couple of drinks with us because that's always fun. Yeah, so it's nice to hear from Mikey. We're gonna get back at this and and do those centers and D men. But from us here at Five Hole Fantasy Hockey, me TJ Branson and you Zach Vogel. Yeah, we love you guys. Thanks for listening. Love you. <laughs>